Good Monday to you, my Walking with Jesus friends. When you think of magnificent palaces or cathedrals, I wonder what picture of opulence comes into your mind. Yesterday, I left you at the construction site of a building whose architect was God himself. The Holy Spirit of God had given to King David the architectural drawings for the great temple of God to be constructed in Jerusalem. King David had entrusted those plans to his son Solomon as he assumed the throne. King David and King Solomon both amassed huge amounts of building materials, and Solomon rallied a small army of workers to prepare and assemble all the materials needed, and then a remarkable group of skilled craftsmen to actually build the temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. This remarkable construction project required seven years to accomplish, according to 1 Kings chapter 6, and more than 180,000 men were involved in preparing and transporting the materials for this huge project. Yesterday, as we watched the construction project, we took note of a remarkable statement in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. Now, if you've ever been to a large construction site, the concept of a quiet construction project is almost beyond comprehension, isn't it? And the precision of preparing stone and wood to fit together without the sound of an iron tool simply amazes me. But this effort was made as a reflection of the high respect King Solomon and the Israelites working on the project had for the Almighty, Holy God of Israel. The temple itself was relatively small as compared to huge temples in our day. First Kings chapter 6, verse 2 says, The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 wide, and 30 high. A cubit was about 18 inches. Thus, this temple was 90 feet long by 30 feet wide by 45 feet high. It was divided into two rooms. The holy place was two-thirds of the building, and the most holy place was one-third. This description helps us understand the fine craftsmanship. Solomon lined the interior walls with cedar boards from the floor of the temple to the ceiling and covered the floor of the temple with planks of pine. No stone was to be seen inside the temple, First Kings 6. You may recall King David had collected a vast amount of gold for this project, and the record says King Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, 1 Kings 6. In the most holy place of the temple, God's architectural plans called for three things, and only three things, the Ark of the Covenant and two sculptured cherubim. In the most holy place, Solomon made a pair of sculptured cherubim and overlaid them with pure gold. The total wingspan of the two cherubim was 20 cubits. One wing of the first cherub was five cubits long and touched the temple wall, while its other wing, also five cubits, touched the wing of the other cherub. Similarly, the one wing of the second cherub was five cubits long and touched the other wall of the temple, and its other wing, also five cubits, touched the wing of the first cherub. The cherubs stood on their feet, facing the main hall, Second Chronicles 3. First Kings 6 tells us these two cherubs, made of olive wood, each stood 15 feet tall. 
Can you envision what these golden images of winged angels look like and how they fill the most holy place with an amazing sense of heaven and the angels around the throne of God? Cherubim are identified in the Bible as two winged angels which reside in heaven with God and may be sent to earth by God on a specific mission. Genesis 3 introduces Cherubim to us. After God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, God placed Cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Could we conclude that the purpose of these gold-covered Cherubim in the most holy place of the temple would be to remind the high priest or any who would enter there that this room is a very holy place because of the presence of God? The only other thing to be placed in this most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. Moses had received the specifications for the fabrication of this Ark directly from God, Exodus 25. And within the Ark was to be kept the tablets of stone, the testimony bearing the Ten Commandments, which had been engraved by the finger of God and which Moses had brought down from Mount Sinai, Exodus 34. The other room of this great temple of God, the holy place, also had specific contents which were detailed in the plan God had prepared and given to King David. Three things were to be in this holy place. First, the altar of incense. Moses had received these detailed plans from God, and this altar had been fabricated for use in the tabernacle constructed at Mount Sinai, Exodus 30. Do you remember it was at this altar many years later that the priest Zechariah was praying in the temple when the angel Gabriel appeared to him, instructing him that God had heard his prayers and that he and his wife Elizabeth would bear a son in their old age and call him John, Luke chapter 1. This was John the Baptist who fulfilled the closing prophecy of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And John was the announcer of the Messiah, Jesus. Remember that in John chapter 1? Second, while Moses was instructed to make one elaborate six-branched golden lampstand for the tabernacle, Exodus 25, God's plans for King Solomon to have his craftsmen fabricate ten of these exquisite lampstands for the temple. Second Chronicles chapter 4. Five of these magnificent lampstands were to be placed on the south side and five on the north side of the holy place inside the temple. As with the tabernacle, they were tended daily by the priests and only a very special olive oil was used in these lamps to light the temple holy place. And third, while Moses was instructed to make one very special table for the tabernacle and on this table would be placed the bread of the presence, according to Exodus 25, God's plans called for King Solomon to have his craftsmen fabricate ten of these tables, again, five on the south side and five on the north side of the holy place of the temple, Second Chronicles 4, verse 8 and 19. Now, it should not be difficult for us to imagine from this description that whenever a priest would enter this great temple, immediately their eyes would be overwhelmed by the magnificent beauty and a great sense of the majesty of God would captivate their souls as they worshipped in this holy place. May I ask, with what attitude of soul do you and I enter your times of worship? How does the Holy Spirit of God help us prepare our hearts for worship of Almighty Holy God? In the places where you and I worship, how does the environment awaken our souls 
a strong sense of the majesty, the splendor, the holiness of God. May I invite us to worship right now? And here's a song with choir and orchestra to help us. <laughs> 